Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, February 16th, 2014. First of all, thank you so very much for all of the get well soon and Valentine wishes. I really appreciate that, and happy belated Valentine's to you. <laughs> I think it's been a really good week in YNR. I'm excited. I feel like YNR is getting back into... Uh, just a good groove, even though we've lost a lot of amazing talent uh, over the past couple of weeks. I just feel like they're starting to wrap up the old storylines that were getting dragged out too long, and we're finally getting into some new stuff. It feels good. Plus, you know I love a benefit. <laughs> I love a gala or any kind of event like that. And this week, we had the Delia Project benefit. It was... A magical fairy tale winter wonderland evening, which Lily seemed to really take the lead on. I think it was implied that Nikki was the chairwoman, but it was really Lily and Kelly who were planning this event. And I I loved it. I, I thought it, I loved it that Lily even mentioned this week that when Delia was born and Chloe was trying to pass Delia off as Kane's daughter, Lily was understandably not happy about the whole situation, but through time, Lily had really come to love Delia as Kane did, even though Chloe had pulled this big scam or had tried to. Delia was just a little girl that everybody seemed to love. She was a little girl that touched so many lives around Genoa City, which is exactly why YNR had to kill her. <laughs> she was way too likable. <laughs> so we're having a benefit in her honor, which I loved. Uh, I enjoyed even the pre-planning stage, seeing Lily and Kelly sitting there at the athletic club planning it out. And being that uh, it was a Valentine's Day event, Delia's birthday was on Valentine's Day, um, Lily's anniversary is Valentine's Day, Lily is feeling in the mood for love. And as she's planning this event with Kelly, she's trying to pry her open a little bit and understand what her situation is. It was a little bit uh, awkward when Lily started prying, asking about Kelly's children, and Kelly had to say that her, you know, she had lost a son and that had destroyed her marriage. So um, Lily did get Kelly to open up just a little bit more about her past, saying she used to be a teacher. Uh, but Lily, she just loves love, and she's in a great mood right now. And so she decides to tell Kelly that she wants to set her up on a blind date. And of course, Kelly resists. She doesn't want to have anything to do with romance right now at all. But Lily keeps on pushing and prodding, and that's a little seed that I kept thinking, hmm, okay, Lily is going to set Kelly up on a blind date. Who's it going to be? Is it going to end up being Stitch? You know, what's that going to be? So that was a little seed that I had under my hat for most of the week, and it did play out in a most delicious way, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, getting, let's just get it all out about the event. Uh, first of all, <laughs> Lily reveals that they have an item that's going to be going up for auction um, in Delia's honor. So it's it's a it's a um a, an old antique doll. <laughs> in fact, uh, she called it uh, the Snow Queen doll. Um, I thought the Snow Queen isn't that uh, Victoria. <laughs> 
but I'm bum. <laughs> as soon as she said that, I'm like, what they, the Snow Queen, they have Victoria under a plate of glass? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's an actual little doll that's going up for auction. Um, it's a, a, a pretty little thing. I loved that Lily mentioned that even Katie Logan Spencer had made a big uh, bid on this doll and also had made a, a donation to the project, which was a cute B&B, Bold and the Beautiful nod. I enjoyed that. Thank you very much, YNR. Um, it's kind of cool. So this doll, <laughs> it's behind a uh, digital lock. Like you have to have a combination to get into this little glass case. And I, I, I just, I knew immediately something's going to happen to this doll. Colin shows up uh, at the event, the pre-planning event, I think it was, uh, and he starts to go rounds with Lily and Kane. Lily is like a mama bear trying to keep this man away from her children who tried to steal them. Yeah, it's understandable. And Kane has had a terrible experience throughout his whole childhood with this man. Kane hates Colin. And I immediately, like, I just knew right away Colin is going to have something to do with stealing that doll. Why on earth would Colin want to steal that doll? And it was, you know, clear since now we've got this mob thing going on in Genoa City that Colin is going to be somehow connected to Womack and I'm wondering and maybe I, I don't know is it at all possible that that doll is somehow connected to the music box there's some sort of still mystery going on in Genoa City that I don't still understand the doll the music box the reliquary <laughs> do you guys remember the reliquary is that how I said I can't hardly remember but they do that from time to time there's a little uh holy grail in Genoa City that we have to figure it out uh what exactly the meaning of it is uh maybe something a little more than money I don't know <laughs> so it's the night of the benefit and I thought first of all that the athletic club looked amazing the event took place in an upstairs room uh it I, at first, I thought it was the main dining room, but apparently they must have opened up a new set for this. It looked wonderful. It was all snowy. Um, there was, like, white tree decorations and lights and um, a lot of splashes of pink and candy. And it was um, like a winter children's little wonderland. It was very magical. I totally enjoyed it. Um, I totally enjoyed seeing everyone's outfits, everyone looking amazing. You know I love that. That's like the best part of YNR is when we have a benefit and everybody gets to dress up. I love looking at all of their clothes and jewelry and it definitely did not disappoint. You guys will have to let me know who you think your best and worst dressed were. I... I <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I did love the necklace that, that Lily had on. I loved the way that Chloe looked. I loved that dress. It could have been tailored a, a, maybe a little more, but it was a, it, it was a little loose for me, but I loved the detail of the dress. Um, everybody looked good. That, Abby's dress was a little weird. It, 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 it was like 
a regular old dress, but then it had this shoulder piece made out of gems or beads or something. And I I feel mixed about it. I'm not sure. It's it's either completely amazing avant-garde wear or it's weird and I don't like it and I can't decide. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you guys will have to let me know. How do you feel about uh, all of the, the outfits going on? I Again, I really, I liked Chloe. I liked the way she looked. Everybody sort of had this 1920s hairstyle. Did you notice that? It seemed like they styled everyone with 1920s hair. <laughs> um, I don't know. I Just in general, I have to say, uh, and I keep meaning to mention, I feel like Chloe is being styled differently lately. It feels like she is way more um, feminine. I, th- I think in the past they've styled Chloe as being more modern, funky, cheek and now it's sort of more grown up mature um, feminine woman I did even the makeup Chloe looks different to me lately um, but I enjoyed it B- uh, Victoria got new bangs <laughs> for the event apparently I don't know everybody looked good I, I was really happy to see it Lily's running around like crazy she is pretty much putting together this event and Kelly is there as her right hand and I I was overjoyed <laughs> to see that Lily kind of said, oh, Kelly, your blind date is here and kind of point, you know, over to the bar. And who's who's at the bar? Who's standing there at the bar? Jack, <laughs> the brother of the man who she had an affair with is standing there at the bar. Oh, my gosh. Kelly walks up to him mortified. And I the whole time I'm just thinking, I love the idea of them together. I love it. I think Kelly and Jack would be such an awesome couple and such a great storyline, but too bad that's not going to happen. Casting news this week, she's gone. Um, Gosh, what's her name? Cynthia? Oh, Cynthia something, I think. I'm going to get her. I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Wotros? Watros, maybe? She got another gig. Uh, one of her, sh- I guess a pilot she did got picked up, and so she's not going to be on YNR anymore. I think they're going to recast the role. That's kind of the buzz that I'm hearing. But I like that actress. Dang it. You know, there's not a lot of women who are strong and not um, totally insane on the show. and then Or, you know, like bubble-headed at the point. It seems like YNR at some point decided they were going to shift into having a lot of young models on the show. And just, I don't know, we haven't gotten a really great seasoned female lead. And I think it's a, a space that has been missing since... Phyllis left, and I really felt like she was filling it for me, and now she's gone, damn it. So if they're going to recast it, I hope that they do a a good job of recasting it with someone amazing, because I really think she would have been a great pair for Jack. I think it would help him get over Phyllis, as much as I hate to say it, and I, I love Jack and Phyllis together, but I mean, she's in a coma the show must go on. <laughs> Jack can't be constantly pining over this woman in a coma. He's going to have to get a life sooner or later. And I think Kelly and Jack would add a, a, a layer of mortification considering she was with Billy. That would always be something that was in the room. Uh, I, I just, I love it. I love it. But... <laughs> Kelly's real date shows up. She basically walks up to Jack and is like, oh, gosh, listen, 
Lily totally set us up on this blind date, but I don't know how I feel about this. I'm not really in the mood for love. And Jack takes a step back like, huh? What? The real date shows up. She cannot even believe that she just made this fool out of herself. But Jack was taken with her. Did you guys notice? I mean, he said something like, well, hey, that's a great first impression and I just I don't know I couldn't have she could not have been more embarrassed and I could not have been more thrilled <laughs> I just loved it just loved it she Kelly scuttles off with her actual blind date and finds a nice way to dump him but gosh I just think I just think he had a little twinkle in his eye when he when she showed up to him I mean Jack loves love and he needs to be loved and he deserves to have his romance and it's missing right now of course Hillary is kind of walking around in the background keeping an eye on Jack she sees this whole interaction going down in fact she goes up while Kelly and Jack are talking and sort of butts up in their conversation and has to introduce herself as Jack's assistant you know I I just never it didn't occur to me that she actually could have a thing a romantic interest in Jack until this week. Again, after Kelly goes off, Jack and Hillary are having a moment alone, and he says, you know, I don't know, is my tie straight enough? I mean, she's now officially Jack's tie tire. What have you been doing all of these years to tie your ties until now, Jack? <laughs> what on earth did you do before, Hillary? So she comes up to give his tie a little straightening, and absolutely out of nowhere, Hillary just comes up and plants a big old smooch on Jack's lips. I could not believe it. I, I I just, I feel shocked. I mean, she pulled away immediately and she's like, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize my job and I know where I stand. And what? You couldn't control yourself in that moment or, Hillary, you're up to something. I don't know which it is, but Jack, I think, is very flattered. <laughs> he runs off and he makes a phone call to Phyllis in a coma. Oh, my goodness. He just... It's his ghost girlfriend. Phyllis is his ghost girlfriend, and it's not healthy. I, I think Jack does need someone, but... He, and he wants it to be Phyllis. And, you know, if Phyllis were around, I would want it to be Phyllis, too. But he wants it to be Phyllis and no one else. And it's not healthy. He even says to her on the phone, like, I really, I miss you. I've had two women hit on me so far this evening, but you are what I want. And it's just not going to happen. I, 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 in the context of the show, I mean, I'm not trying to be callous, because I do like Phyllis. I do like Jack and Phyllis. But come on! <laughs> He's just going to have to get over it. We're going to have to just all move on. Um, well, now, okay, speaking of that, Chelsea arrives at the benefit. And now this is very awkward for her. Everybody knows at this point that her husband is the one that killed Delia. But Anita has talked her into just not not being ashamed. She didn't do anything wrong. Anita tells her, go to that benefit, hold your head high. But that's very easy to say and not as easy to do. Chelsea shows up at the benefit and Jack is there in the hall. They run into each other and they have a moment of talking and, and he reveals, you know, I feel like we're in the same boat because I loved Adam, too. You know, we're the ones that actually loved and, and appreciated Adam, and no one else is mourning him. I mean, they're not even having a service, by the way. There's, I mean, the, he's presumed dead and no service, or is that on the way? 
he would at least deserve a service, right? Well, I don't know. Not sure. Maybe that's something that Jack and Chelsea will work on together. I have no idea. Jack convinces her, you know what? I know you feel awkward, but how about if you come up to the event on my arm? And he escorts her up to the event. And I thought, well, hmm. Is that a new couple? Is that a possible new couple? What do you guys think about that? Jack and Chelsea? I mean, Chelsea's been with so many men <laughs> in town already. Jack would be fresh meat for her. And clearly, Adam wanted Jack to be the godfather. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of a natural progression? I don't know. I don't know. You guys let me know what you think. Jack and Chelsea, is that a potential couple? Hmm. Hillary would not like that at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> um... Devon is actually at this event as well, and Summer's bad model friend, the girl that gave her the energy pills, shows up at the event, and Devon eyeballs her right away. He sees her come in, and he's like, who is that? He tries to go talk to her and get to know her, and she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, of course, until he basically reveals that he's the owner of the athletic club, and I'm sure sooner or later she'll put together exactly who he is, but... um. He and this model, I'm, what's her name? I can't think of her name. Shoot, I'm sorry. But they, like, sneak off into the steam room to go make out. I don't know if they actually had sex or if they were just making out, but Hillary saw the whole thing. I mean, it was almost like uh, they were supposed, Hillary and Devon were supposed to be having some kind of romantic thing, and now she catches Devon sneaking off to the steam room to make out with this model. But, I mean, it was before that that she was kissing on Jack. So did Devon see that or what? Because it was weird. She seemed totally jealous afterwards. She confronted Devon afterwards in a passive aggressive sort of way, uh, saying, basically, I thought you were better than that. And no, he's not. (laughs) He's not. And it's funny to me because last week I sort of flippantly mentioned that uh, Devon's boring. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know what it is. I I like the actor, but Devon just... He never does anything, and and I, I, you know, I said last week, I almost feel like I would like Devon better if he would do something wrong, like if he would actually have a, some dimension to him rather than just always being this, you know, he was always like the poor orphan kid on the show that everybody had to take care of and sort of pity, and now all of a sudden he's come into all of this money, and I would love to maybe see that corrupt him a little bit. I don't know. What do you guys... What do you guys think about that? Your part of me thought when he was in that steam room with the model, <laughs> this is terrible, but I thought, wouldn't it be fabulous if she turned out to be a man or something? <laughs> That's the kind of dirt I'm looking for. Like, Devon gets involved with this model and only gets so far before he realizes she's actually a man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just looking for some juice here around Devon. Um, now, <laughs> Abby and Tyler are at the event, and Tyler makes a phone call to Mariah, and she insists on seeing him, and he leaves the event to go see her. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, they were, they're all dressed up. They're there together. Abby's feeling good about their relationship. He sneaks off to go 
pay a visit to Mariah, we don't really see what happens between them. We just see Tyler coming back to the event after having been missing for quite a while. And again, Abby feeling upset and jealous. I mean, Tyler didn't tell her where he was going. And as soon as he got back, he tried to play it off like, oh, I'll tell you later where I was. Well, she wasn't accepting that as an answer. So she says, no, tell me now. And he has to reveal that he skipped out on her to go talk to Mariah to tell her to leave them alone which is something that he totally could have accomplished over the phone or on any other night. This relationship is totally doomed. I mean, I will be surprised if they are together in a month. Uh, I don't know. Well, in happy news, <laughs> couples that actually might work out, Kane and Lily, this is their anniversary, and he surprises her with a room upstairs from the event, and it was a new room, I mean, it seems like we're now that Devon owns the athletic club, we're seeing new pieces of it. We've got a new ballroom upstairs, and then Kane rents this room for them to go into afterwards for a little hanky-panky for their anniversary slash Valentine's Day slash anniversary of the first time they made love, <laughs> which I think was in the athletic club, maybe. Um, but you know, the thing is... We always see those same rooms in the athletic club. It's always brown, those same brown rooms. Everybody who's ever rented a room there stayed in the same room. But I loved seeing something a little different. And it was it was cush. It, just, it, it had a nice look. It was much better. I just appreciated seeing something different. <laughs> uh, so that was cute. Who knows if they'll ever even make it up to that room, considering what happened. But <laughs> we'll see. Um... Okay, the other relationship thing I wanted to mention was that Neil and Leslie were were there at the event. They show up at the event. And Lauren starts to question them about their wedding date and their wedding planner. And they do a really good job of trying to, like, scuttle away from her questions. But it seems like they've decided to stay together and possibly get married, but not with the wedding planner? I don't understand. Because last week it felt like Neil and Leslie were saying it's all or nothing, or Neil was saying it's all or nothing. Either we get married or we break up, or it just, I just got the impression that they were at an impasse, and now all of a sudden this week they show up at the event together, and they just seem like it's still a little bit up in the air. I, Neil wants an answer, and she kind of dodges him by giving him his Valentine's Day present, which were tickets to a jazz club, and he was very happy about this. And then later on, Leslie mentioned something about Moses, and I, I, I'm confused. I, I think Leslie's trying to present it like, I can be your wife, in quotes. I can be your partner. I can be a stepmother to Moses. I can be all of these things to you without actually being your wife without actually signing the papers. And I don't know ultimately if that is going to satisfy Neil. That is one of those things we will just have to wait and see. Okay, so <laughs> the big blow up that, uh, well, one of the big blow ups that happened. Chloe shows up at the event and this is very, very difficult for her. She had a moment of not thinking that she was going to be able to do it. Um, it's very difficult for her to think about Delia, let alone be in a room full of people who are constantly saying sorry. And it just, it, it, I understand why Chloe felt like she didn't want to go to the event, but Kevin talked her into it saying, you know, what would Delia do? What would she want you to do? This is an event in honor of your daughter. You should be there. And she, I think despite maybe her 
uh, better judgment, went decided to go to the event. And she's just... She's coming apart at the seams. Every single person that comes to her to talk to her just wants to talk about Delia. And she's of two minds, because do you remember a couple weeks ago her saying, um, you know, I, I feel like people don't want to mention Delia's name, and that makes me feel awkward, um, that people, you know, like I don't want people to feel like they can't talk about her or talk about certain topics with me. And then at this event, that people actually acknowledging Delia is, seemed to be what set her over the edge a little bit. And little by little, she just begins to come undone. And Lauren is trying to talk to her and a series of people. And Lauren makes the mistake, I suppose, of asking, you know, how is Chelsea doing? Because Chloe and Chelsea are best friends. It's a natural question, but Chloe lashes out loudly. Oh, Chelsea, she's fine. She's doing just fine. She's got a son. She's still got her child while her sick bastard of a husband killed my child and left her for dead on the side of the road while Chloe's having this huge eruption just as Chelsea is arriving on, you know, into the room with Jack. And it's so heartbreaking because I think... I don't think Chloe did it on purpose. I think it just erupted out of her. Um, and Chelsea was very paranoid about being there anyway and about being seen, you know, you know, as just the wife of Adam, not as herself and not uh, as someone who could actually support the, the foundation. But Chloe, she, Chloe is jealous, of Chelsea. She is. And it's not rational and it's not right. Chelsea didn't do anything wrong. But yet, it feels like everybody wants someone to blame. Every single person wants someone to blame for this whole mess. And it just is what it is. What happened to Delia is just something that happened, unfortunately. I mean, people have different levels of, of blame for their reactions to it. And I mean, really, if anybody bears the brunt of the blame, it would probably be Billy. He's the one that set up the situation. But, you know, there are people who reacted poorly, as an understatement, in the aftermath. But, I mean... The, the blame game is not helping anyone to heal. And Chloe felt terrible about her eruption at her best friend, uh, and she apologized, but it was, it feels increasingly more and more like she doesn't really like Chelsea, doesn't necessarily want to continue that relationship. It's the relationship with Connor that Chloe is struggling to hold on to. And I wonder if... Chloe would be treating Chelsea entirely different if it uh, didn't mean that she would probably not have a chance to see Connor. So it was, um, a, a, it was, it was very sad. I I felt bad for for Chelsea in that moment. The two women kind of parted ways um, and went on about their business for a little while. But it was very hurtful, especially knowing that they did have such a deep connection, and it really feels quite ruined and probably is going to be even worse <laughs> as the weeks go on. Now, to the, 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 the big, big, big drama. Let's settle into the big heightened moment of the benefit event. <laughs> Colin and Jill 
are in attendance, and they are um, sitting down in the athletic club having drinks before heading up, and Jill is trying to find out why he even wants to be at this benefit. He quickly reminds her that, oh, he he was tested for bone marrow when, uh, when Delia was sick, so don't forget that. Don't think I'm entirely heartless. I do still care about this and that. But, you know, really mostly, I just, I'm starting to like him. I really am, and I'm surprised by that because I was not moved thinking that he was coming back onto YNR when I read the casting news but I am liking him and not only that I am liking the banter between he and Jill I enjoy them going back and forth I love him trying to put his arm on her and her flicking it away it has a very war of the roses feeling about it it's well it's hard to believe that Jill would even allow him back into her life uh, at all. Like, it's, a, it's hard to believe that Jill would have agreed to marry him and would ha- have agreed to any of this. I'm taking that that leap of faith. I don't, I don't think it's in Jill's character to just give in, but maybe it's the fact that she is a little bit attracted to him. I mean, there's maybe 80% hate, but there's that 20% where she is charmed by him in a way that she hasn't been charmed in quite a long time. So, I mean, they were married. She loved him quite a lot and it was his lies that ruined them and now I think maybe there's a part of her that wants to believe he could possibly be changed um no (laughs) though once a snake he's pretty much always a snake but he is sometimes a charming snake (laughs) we'll give him that um now Fen is out of prison celebration (laughs) he's out of prison he's off the hook forever Christine uh, a little bit earlier in the week tells Michael and Lauren like okay you just can't tell anybody that Carmine is alive that's that's off limits they agree he's been moved to a safe house so just don't mention it uh However, Womack is out of prison as well. This all happened, like, on the same day. Fen and Womack both get out of prison. Um, and we all know that Womack ha- is going to have it out for Carmine. Carmine's the one that turned him in. So I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering if Carmine is going away forever. Did they just bring him back for, like, that one day to wrap up the murder charges? Or is he going to be coming back and interacting with Womack? Because I think that would be good. I wouldn't mind seeing Carmine and Womack going at it. It would be like the snake eating the rat, you know? I mean, it would be interesting. I, I, I like the actor who plays Womack, by the way. I think he's doing a good job. He's he's um, He certainly fits the part, looks the part. Uh, he ends up, Womack, Showing up at the gala event. Gee, why would a criminal recently released from jail show up at a gala event in his suit? I don't even know where he got the suit, but he's all dressed to the nines to fit in. And he runs into Fen in the hallway. Well, this clearly scares the crap out of Mouse. (laughs) And instead of really which I thought was going to happen. I thought Womack was going to try to rope Finn into whatever his dirty dealings were, but instead Womack just says, you didn't see me. I wasn't here. And Finn agrees, kind of goes off, but uh, later... 
Womack is in the room at the gala. Michael's gone. He's out of town. So Michael can't recognize him. Um, he's obviously up to no good. Lauren's still there. I don't know why Lauren didn't see him there earlier. But Womack's at the table, like, get, get kind of standing there by the snacks. And Colin creeps up behind him, revealing that they have a connection, which I, you know, obviously probably everybody completely figured out way beforehand. And Colin gives him orders to steal the doll, the snow. No princess doll. So valuable. <laughs> the doll. So, um, <laughs> so it's time for the auction. And Lily goes up. And, well, actually, I guess I skipped that. We did see a scene of Womack walking up to the doll, sticking his fingers up under the sheet. It, it's like the doll's covered in a silken sheet, and Womack sticks his finger up in there and puts on the uh, the the combination to get the doll out, and he gets it. And then he's still, like, after he gets the doll, he's still, like, lingering around in the room. When the auction begins, Lily goes up to the stage with the doll still covered, announces that it's time for the auction, and time for the unveiling, and she pulls off the sheet to reveal the empty glass box. <laughs> now, why Womack didn't make a break for the door, like, right when it happened, right when he stole it? I don't know. I don't know why he milled around in the room for X amount of time, but as soon as Lily realizes the doll's gone, she's like, the doll's gone? Oh my gosh, somebody stole it. Womack is, like, the only person making a rush for the door, so Lily, like, scurries over there in her heels, like, hey, you, where are you going? What's under your coat? <laughs> Gosh, he's just carrying the doll under his coat. I just love, I just, I want to go back and watch a million times Lily scurrying over there with her heels, like Detective Lily. I mean, she's unbeknownst or unbe unknowingly stepping into this very dangerous situation and she scurries over there in her heels. Hey, you! Hey, you bad guy! What's under your coat? <laughs> I enjoyed that. I'm going to go back and rewind that and watch that again. But, so there's like two guys at the door holding Womack from leaving while Lily, I mean, a woman who why why where are the men in this room don't let lily get up in there on this dangerous thief well she tries to like paw at the doll to get it away from womack only to grab it and i suppose rip a part of it or something and a ton of diamonds just spill out Onto the floor, Lily's like, are those real diamonds? That's your reaction? Are those real diamonds? Yeah, I would imagine if he's trying to steal it. Like, let's put two and two together here. They're probably real. <laughs> All of these diamonds spilling out onto the floor. I knew there had to be a reason these grown men were so wanting this doll. I mean, I thought maybe connection to the music box, some kind of key clue, I don't know. But, I mean, our I don't know how many diamonds it had to be. Uh, is the doll even worth anything, or is it like a holy grail type thing? I don't know, maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but... Doesn't matter. They want the diamonds. Womack pulls a gun out of his pocket uh, and basically is now pointing it at Lily and the crowd saying, get back, you know. Uh, the situation has gone awry. Everybody's in the crowd now sitting down like, what just happened? 
Colin is sitting there just with his, he's basically sitting there on his grimy little hands like, oh, 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 that didn't go the way I planned. But I'm sure he's certainly not gonna uh, call out anything or his involvement. I don't know if Womack is gonna call out Colin's involvement or what. But next week from the previews uh, for Monday's show, everybody who's at the event has been held hostage. (laughs) I guess the situation just did not go well. So Womack is just holding them hostage and Paul's going to have to come in and he's going to have to be the negotiator, negotiate the hostages out of the room. Or I don't know, I think possibly more interestingly, I wonder if maybe Colin will find a way to redeem himself by saving the day. Just briefly, Stitch reveals to Dylan this week that his wife started divorce proceedings. So he's going to be getting a divorce. And when Dylan questioned him about it, he didn't want to give over any of the details. But Dylan did say, you know, was did it? Did you cheat? And he said, no, I would never cheat on my wife. She would never cheat on me. So there's something, I don't know what the deal with his marriage is and how it plays into Kelly. Um, I had gotten a voicemail from Anna this week who had said, you know, maybe Stitch is the one who killed Kelly's son. Is that possible? I mean, I, I mean, I can't think of anything else that it could be. I think that's a really good guess. Um, and maybe that's why she's so hostile toward him. And it seems like he, I don't know, but it still seems like he's got something on her. Like he found out last week that Kelly and Billy had slept together. And the vibe I got from Stitch was, ugh, you did that again. You know, just I got the feeling like he knew more about her, like this is a pattern for her. Or maybe that's just me imagining. Imagining that, I'm just not sure. Um, but Stitch clearly wants to tell Victoria the truth about what happened, but nobody wants to be the bearer of that news. Nobody wants to tell someone that their husband is cheating, so he decides against it. Billy is still in the hospital, bloodied and bruised, and Jack comes to visit him, which I believe was the first interaction we had between um, new Billy or old Billy, David Tom and uh, Peter Bergman. And I, th- I just thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, Jack is now there uh, post everything that's happened with Adam. I think maybe this is the first time that Jack is coming face to face with Billy after learning that Adam was the one who killed Delia. And Jack feels completely guilty. He knew something was up with Adam, but he never dreamed that it would be this ever. Uh, And I I think that what surprised me about that interaction was that Billy seemed way more empathetic toward Jack. And, And not only just that, but Jack's feeling of loss for his friend. No one is really acknowledging that Jack lost somebody important to him, but Billy did. Uh, And I just, I was very surprised that Billy was more empathetic toward Jack's loss of Adam than Chloe was toward Chelsea's loss of Adam, her husband, the father of her child. So that was a stark difference there. Jack I think as someone who Billy knows he can count on, Jack is someone who he knows he can talk to. So Billy begins to recount the story of what happened the night, the night with Adam, uh, and he gives Jack 
all of the details, every single little detail, except the part about the gun going off. I mean, Billy reveals that he's glad Adam is dead and tells Jack to keep his secret, but I don't believe that, unless I missed something, I don't believe that Billy has told anyone that the gun went off, which leads me to believe that Billy believes he killed Adam. I wonder if Billy believes he mortally wounded Adam in the car, and then everything else happened, the crash, and the fire, and the lake, and then he's just like, okay, well, well, you know, I mean, if they're gonna chalk it up to the fact that that's what killed Adam, I'm not gonna tell him anything differently. So, what do you guys think about that? Does Billy think he killed Adam? I think so. I mean, at this point, no one is the wiser. He's able to cover that up a little bit. I mean, we still have that discharged gun that they found at the scene, so it's probably going to come back to bite him. Um, I don't know if it'll be now or later, but um, for now, it seems like Billy is mostly off the radar and mostly legally safe, unless something else is going to happen. Um, Victoria doesn't ex- doesn't suspect. I think she's just happy to have her husband alive, and she's got other things to worry about at this point. But I wanted to mention that I am enjoying, surprisingly, David Tom and Amelia Heinel together as Billy and Victoria. Um, Gary had called in and left me a, a voice message, kind of sharing my opinion too. I just feel like. I wasn't expecting to like them together, but I feel like they have an instant chemistry. It's there for me right away. I mean, I would have thought that since Billy and Victoria were such a popular couple, and if they were going to recast half of that popular couple, that they would need to bring in, uh, a, you know, maybe, a, you know, I don't know, that maybe they would need to break up the couple, and maybe that was, I think maybe Stitch is sort of the backup guy, but I feel the chemistry there. I think it's it's really good. I'm enjoying them together. Um, I just, I really like David Tom. I'm watching him really closely in all of the scenes. He's a good actor. He's not just a good Billy. I think he's a good actor. He's a good, solid actor, and I am really enjoying it. Um, I'm I'm glad to see Billy and Victoria working on their marriage now, uh, except... You know, the whole thing that happened with the gun going off is certainly not the only secret that he's keeping from his wife at this point. Because what happens to their marriage if Kelly ends up pregnant? Outside of Billy's hospital room, Victor and Jack are arguing in the hall. Jack is disgusted with Victor for deciding to keep Adam's secret, for finding out that Adam was the one who hit Delia, but choosing instead to blackmail him rather than coming forward and telling the truth. And even though Jack is completely disgusted, he does have a moment of telling Victor and deciding that he doesn't want to cause this family any more pain. His family, Victor's family, he's not going to rat Victor out. He could. Jack could go around and tell everybody that Victor knew, Victor knew, Victor knew. Especially in a situation where everybody wants to point a finger, that would be an easy one. And so Jack tells Victor, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose not to. But I'm still disgusted with you for blackmailing your own son. Victoria and Nick walk in and overhear bits and pieces of this conversation and want to know what's up, want to know what the story is. And Victor quickly tries to make up a lie about it, saying, oh, Jack's just, he's just upset because I, you know, I'm pressing those charges against Jabot for the models and the drugs and all that. And Jack just... 
takes it. You know, he just takes it and decides, you know what, I'm going to let him have his, I'm just going to walk away. And Jack gracefully exits the scene, even though Victor is bold-faced, lying and getting away from with it. Jack gracefully tries to make an exit, and as his back is turned, as he's walking away, Victor decides, instead of being grateful to Jack for not blowing him up, which would be impossible for Victor. He decides to berate him. Victor tells him, you know, stay out of my business. This this is none of your business. Stay out of my way. And Jack just turns around and is like, you know what? I was about to give you one. I was going to do you a favor, you piece of crap. And he just turns around and says, you know what? Forget it. He tells the kids everything. Tells Nick and Victoria everything that Victor did. And <laughs> even though Victor tries to, to get his way out of it, says, oh, Jack is lying. And, you know, how dare Nick and Victoria question that? How dare they even question that Victor is being anything but completely honest? The kids know. Nick and Victoria just know by the look on Victor's face. This is what he does when he is cornered. He starts to just cast uh, attention elsewhere and starts to make you feel bad for questioning him. This is classic Victor Newman, and the kids know immediately what their father has done. And it's it changes exactly how they are feeling about him. I mean, there's not even a hint of shame in Victor's eyes over what he has done. He just can't believe that now he's going to have to deal with this. He just, you know, stands there, Nick and Victoria dumbfounded about the news they've just learned, and he tries to justify it. He says, what good would it have done? What If I would have told you, what Adam did, what would that have accomplished? Look at what Billy did. He's in a hospital room right now upon finding out this information. What else would have happened? I mean, the thing is, if that were just it, it would be one thing. If, if that was truly, purely Victor's motivation for not telling, if he just sat back, said nothing, did nothing, that would be one thing. But that's not what happened. Victor used it as a form of blackmail over Adam, and that is what is wrong. That is what is disgusting. Nick can't deal with him at all. Victoria says she's done with him. She's like, you know what? I cannot believe that you would keep this information from me. I'm done with you. I am. I, I want you out of my life, out of my children's life, out of my husband's life for good. And she walks away. Of course, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, and everybody is. Gary called in, left me the same voicemail. Everybody has to be thinking this. How many times has Victoria said she's done with her father only to come back once again? I mean, she's going to be having Victor out of her life for good or until there's something that she wants from him again, until he has something to offer her again, maybe a job, some kind of opportunity, some kind of way to prove her love to him, some kind of way to prove herself as the most intelligent of the Newman kids. Uh, then she'll be back with him. It's just, it's, it's always, it's always what she does. But the interesting thing is, Victoria leaves this confrontation with Victor in the hospital hall, and she goes back into Billy. And Billy has been hearing this arguing going on in the hall the entire time, and he asks what's up, what happened. And Victoria doesn't tell him. She doesn't tell Billy what Victor has done. So uh, my question is, why? Why? If Victor is completely wrong for not telling you that what Adam did, then why didn't you tell Billy? 
Victoria? Is it the same reason? You know, why? I just thought that was interesting. Um, but <laughs> Billy's not accepting her answer. You know, I think she just played it off like, you know, it's just another fight between me and my dad. Don't worry about it. The second she leaves the room, Billy breaks out of the hospital and he goes to the ranch to confront Victor. Find out what Victor has done. I mean, he heard Adam's name in the hall. He wants to know what's going on. Wants to find out what Victor's done to upset his wife so much. And there's this great, great confrontation between Billy and Victor. And I thought it was wonderful to see the two actors together. Billy Miller was awesome in that scene. I mean, Eric Braden was awesome in that scene. I mean, Billy is... Billy, did I say Billy Miller? Shoot, I gotta get out of that. David Tom was awesome in that scene. Sorry, man. Uh, but, I mean, both were. Eric Braden was, too. Uh, Billy is just insisting with everything in him that Victor tell him the truth, tell him everything. Billy is weak, and he is destroyed, and he just wants to know the truth, and wants to know what they were arguing about, and what does it have to do with Adam, and Billy is insisting when Nikki comes downstairs, she's home, and she hears the arguing, and so... While Victor tries to make Billy think that he misheard what was going on in the hospital room, Nikki just says, oh, for crying out loud, Victor, just tell him. Tell him the truth. If you don't tell him, I will tell him. And uh, Victor doesn't want to. He's. I th it just seems like it's... it's Victor, it's not even possible for him to admit any level of wrongdoing. Victoria is looking for Billy. He's now out of the hospital. She's trying to find him. She f goes to the ranch. I don't know. She just assumed he would be there. And she breaks up in just, you know, right at the right time and says, you know what? I I'll do it. I'll tell him. I'll tell him everything. And she stands there and tells Billy that Victor knew everything. And Victor, you know, looks like a, a complete that he is in this moment and I, it's it's so it's so hard for me I I want to understand Victor I don't know what it is in me I think I really think it's just I remember a Victor from a different era and I, I want to understand why he is the way he is now um and it's so hard it's so very hard like Victor he did offer up one more kind of piece of information that I didn't consider before. He said that he, he like his end game in the blackmailing of Adam was to keep Connor away from Adam. Like he wanted to use this as an end to Connor to get Adam's son away from a dangerous man. Like, I saw what Adam did to Delia, and I wanted to try to get Connor away from him. And just in a very the ends justify the means sort of way. But I just didn't get that impression from Victor at all. I never got the impression from Victor that that was his endgame, that that's what he was planning. Like, I mean, did he just come up with that on the way home where he decided, okay, uh, yeah, I'll pretend that was the excuse? Or is that actually the truth? Is that actually what happens? I, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, I did I did kind of enjoy this is bad but I did kind of enjoy Victor telling Billy you know it's 
your fault, you know? I mean, Victor absolutely erupted. He got crazy. I mean, again, Eric Braden was amazing. He got freaking crazy in that scene and told Billy, it, it's your fault. You want to play blame? You're the one that left that little girl by the side of the road. You're the one, which is something that just hasn't been said. And I, I, I empathize with Billy, and I know that it's, you know, it was an accident. Obviously, it was an accident, but it does, the responsibility, if it goes anywhere, does lie with Billy. And no one says that. And here Victor is screaming it at him. I mean, oddly, he really hasn't said that since Delia's death. And I think at this point, he just couldn't hold it in anymore. So he did uh, say that. But again, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I think that this blame game is going nowhere. I mean, now, Billy and Victoria are hating Victor, never wanting to have anything to do with him again. Uh, Victor is hating Billy, as he always has, and it's just, the blame game is not helping anyone any more now than it ever did. I mean, there's enough to go around. Barry, Billy bears responsibility for what happened. So does Adam in his own way, and Victor, in a peripheral way, also does bear uh, responsibility for his actions. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just an impossible situation, and it's so heightened, and, um, gosh, all, you know, the thing that also bothers me is that throughout all of this, I'm, I'm focusing on Victor, I don't know why I can't help it, but, um, Victor seems to just always believe that it's all Jack's fault. None of this would have happened if it weren't for Jack. Uh, if Jack hadn't just gone and told his kids about this, everything would have been fine. It's Jack Abbott again, ruining my life, ruining my plans, and I just, it bothers me, because I don't think Victor Newman has ever once in all of the years that I've known him <laughs> I don't think he has ever once taken responsibility for something that he's done wrong I don't think he's ever once accepted responsibility for his own actions particularly when they're wrong when it's something he did good oh he can't take it enough but he never admits that he's wrong and Nikki is in the background for this whole thing, and she's like, Victor, you brought this on yourself. This is something that you created, and he was really harsh with her in return. Like, he even told her, like, to mind her own business. She said, this is my business, Victor. I cannot even believe that he told her to mind her own business. Like, I don't even see how Nikki can live with him sometimes because he is scary when he is cornered. I don't know if you guys got that vibe this week or not, but Victor was straight up scary to me during that scene. It was it was crazy. But then, see, it's like, it's so weird and balanced. Nikki's like an abused woman. She really is because, like, the next day, Victor tries to get back into her good graces. It's Valentine's Day and he gives her this really heartfelt card. He means every word in it. Like he's written her probably poetry inside of that card. And then he also tells her he's had a couture dress made for her and he wants to take her out on the town to dinner and dancing and she's not biting. She's not interested and he can't understand why. He says, you know, Nikki, I don't understand, you know, what's happened with Adam and the kids and all that. None of that has affected my feelings for you. That's not the point, Victor. That's not the point. Has it ever even occurred to you that what has happened may have affected Nikki's feelings for you?
Okay, well, Chloe has become positively creepy. <laughs> she is possessive and weird. It is bizarro. Uh, Chelsea's at home with Connor, and Victor is there trying to offer her support, and you and I know that that support has an ulterior motive behind it, uh, but just as Victor is leaving, Chloe sees him there and freaks out, freaks out that Victor is there. Um, she says... Adam didn't want, she actually said this, Adam didn't want Victor anywhere near Connor, and neither do I. Oh, this is getting really weird. <laughs> really weird. Uh, Chelsea, I think, feels guilty, and so she's given her friend the time of day. Chelsea is still convinced that Adam is not dead, and he's not. Um, nobody not dead, if it was, you know, in terms of us in the soap and in terms of Chelsea in her mind, I mean, nobody, not dead. And she tells Chloe this, and Chloe seems to revel in telling her otherwise. I think the only comfort that Chloe is taking right now is knowing that Adam is dead. And so she's telling Chelsea, yes, he is dead. You're fooling yourself. Adam is dead, dead, dead. And that's a good thing. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, Chelsea's like, I cannot believe you just said that to me. Chloe just goes on like, well, of course, of course, Adam stood there and lied to my face while I suffered. And I understand where Chloe is coming from. I understand why she would have hatred toward Adam, of course. But then there's this sticky issue of the friendship between Chloe and Chelsea. It erupts into a huge fight. And Chelsea just says, forget it. I'm going to Paris. I'm leaving. Yes, Chelsea, good. Go to Paris. Be done with all of this. That's what I would do. And as soon as Chelsea threatens to leave, Chloe starts apologizing. And, oh, she's profusely sorry. I, I just, you know, please stay. You know, stay. I'm, I, I, I need you here. And Chelsea decides, all right, all right. She puts the passports away in a drawer. <sighs> And as soon as Chelsea turns her back, Chloe goes into that drawer and she takes the passports. She steals the passports. I don't know what would be weirder if Chloe's doing what she's doing now or if she was like wanting to be Adam. It's almost like she wants to be the father in that relationship. Like, I think it would be great if she was upstairs putting on Adam's clothes. <laughs> Maybe having a drink. Like, all of a sudden, she starts acting like Adam. I don't know. It's, it's just bizarre. It's really bizarre. Um, <sighs> Chloe leaves. And there is a moment I just want to mention where Dylan comes by to see Chelsea and comfort her and see Connor a little bit. And, you know, even though that wasn't my favorite relationship, I was glad to see Y&R acknowledge their relationship. They were married, and then all of a sudden it was gone and done, and they never really had any kind of, uh, Chelsea and Dylan really never had any uh, interaction since then. So I just want to mention that I was pleased to see that. Uh, after Dylan
Dylan leaves, though, Jack comes by. He figures now that the truth is out, uh, ever the kids know about what Nick and Victoria know about what Victor did. So why shouldn't Chelsea know too? He tells Chelsea that Victor knew, and Chelsea starts to piece together the you know everything. And in fact, the the black that this reason that uh, Adam was being blackmailed is the reason why he allowed Victor to be at the christening. So now all of a sudden things are starting to make sense. Although Chelsea is being pulled in so many different directions and she doesn't know what to believe, doesn't know who to trust. Everything. I mean, she was starting to even listen to Victor. I mean, he's there offering support and I think maybe she was being pulled in by him a little bit until this whole blackmail thing came up. And now I think she's starting to gravitate more toward Jack. There's a reason that Adam trusted Jack. Adam, when he came into this town, has been through all of this. He has experienced the being pulled in many different directions. And at the end of the day, he found that Jack was the only one he could trust. Ironically, considering when Adam came into town, uh, they, I mean, they hit it off very well immediately, Jack and Adam. But uh, when Jack tried to enlist Adam to forge that diary of Victor's, and uh, they all got caught and it all came down. Jack and Adam weren't too happy with each other, but ultimately they were able to work around that, and, and maybe Chelsea is now coming to that conclusion as well, that Jack is the only one that can be trusted. So... Again, because of Anita's encouragement, Chelsea goes off to the gala event. Uh, she has that blow up with Chloe. And Chloe is just, I think grasping at straws. There's uh, at the at the, the um, benefit event, there's this little play that the children do, and Chloe, that's her last straw. She gets up and she leaves. She just can't take it anymore. She leaves the benefit to go to Chelsea's condo and relieve Anita of her babysitting duties. Anita is none the wiser. She doesn't know anything about what just happened. She doesn't, she, I mean, Chloe plays it off like, oh yeah, um, Chelsea told me to come here and, and relieve you of babysitting so Anita thinks oh this is Chelsea's best friend it'll be fine she leaves Chloe gets on the phone calls a cab to the airport says she's gonna be uh, needing a ride to the airport and she'll be waiting for the cab in the lobby with her son so she's now kidnapping Connor she has absolute intention. She's got the passports she has intentions of kidnapping Connor and trying to pass him off as her son. I got a voicemail um, this week from Connor who had mentioned like Chloe has now officially become the psycho of the show, which is so weird. I mean, she's, you know, the truthfully, Billy has not handled the death of his daughter any better. He went and had an affair on his wife and then he went and, you know, did that crazy vibe, crazy craziness with Adam and so he's didn't have a very good reaction to it either. But Chloe has just been so much more quiet and bubbling. And now it's reaching a fevered pitch. She's kidnapping Connor. Oh, my gosh. I just really hope that Chelsea gets home in time to stop her or Kevin stops her. I, I uh, Chelsea, you just should have gotten out of town while you had the chance.
Avery was not exactly happy that Dylan went to go visit Chelsea. And not and not even maybe that, but that he didn't really tell her beforehand. I think she's still got a piece of insecurity. Uh, but, but, I mean, Avery went to go see Chelsea this week, too, and was very tender. And, again, uh, Avery was someone who actually liked Adam. And uh, I think it was good for Chelsea to hear that. But uh, Avery, I think, has uh, she's a little protective over her man, um, especially since it was Valentine's Day. And Dylan did give Avery a very lovely little handmade jewelry box with a necklace inside and they shared a special moment together in her apartment and I do enjoy them together. I I really I like Avery and I think that she and Dylan do have a very good chemistry. Um I also even more so enjoyed Ian going to see Avery. Oh my goodness. He, you know, he is so good. If you didn't know any better, you would think that he was a nice guy and that he was just going to Avery to see if maybe she could help him get to know his son, if she could be a bridge for that relationship. Oh, but she does not want to have anything to do with him. She is not buying one word of his self-help mumbo jumbo. In fact, he tries to get in real close with her and like touch her hand and she just like pushes it away and says get your hand off of me I love that I thought that was so good she is gonna be a force to be reckoned with when it comes to this guy especially since Ian is now snaking his way into Summer's life she is young she is vulnerable she doesn't know what to do I mean she was uh, having a scene with um, Summer was with Nikki this week and basically saying, you know, I, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm trying. Uh, I She tells Nikki about the career coach or life coach or career counselor or whatever she called it that she met in the park at night. Oh, but no, 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 it's okay. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. Nikki has no idea. It is actually Ian. Uh, and he, it's it's really quite scary. Um In fact, uh, Summer had been given Ian's card and she called Ian on the phone to try to arrange a meeting with him while he was with Avery. And he has this moment of like, well, I guess I do have a couple more reasons to stay in town. And he's going to go meet with Summer and I'm sure he's going to wrap her into his whole world. And she is totally susceptible to it. She is young and I think that... Ian's particular brand of seediness is something that maybe it would be harder to see in your youth. When you're young and you're, you really haven't had a whole lot of bad experiences. I mean, she's a Newman rich kid. She's got to have been sheltered from a lot of stuff. So I think that it, you know, he, Ian's kind of the, the kind of villain that it almost does take wisdom and experience to be able to detect because he's so slick and he seems so benign. Uh, I think Think that Summer's going to fall victim to that, and I'm really looking forward to seeing her get rescued. My question, though, for you guys is, Ian, like, I don't know how bad he is. Do you guys think that he arranged to meet with Summer? Like, did he set that whole thing up? I mean, if he's not able to get in close with Dylan and get in close with Nikki to get what he wants on his own, did he arrange to, fi- to find Summer in that park as maybe his plan B? Sharon is still seeing Cassie everywhere. 
<sighs> Even though she's taking her meds, she's still seeing her everywhere. Uh, Sharon is at home alone with Faith early in the week playing a word game. Like I assume it's sort of like Scrabble. And out of nowhere, the word phantasm is spelled on the board. Sharon didn't do it. There's no way Faith could have done it. I mean... Uh, I keep thinking Sharon's doing this to herself. I mean, who did that? Who put the word who put the word game there? Hmm, if Cassie's dead. Later, Nick comes by and he has to tell Sharon all about Victor's latest betrayal. And Faith comes down. She says she's scared about the phantasm thing. Somebody put it there and I don't know who it was. And that makes Sharon have to explain everything. And she says, oh, yeah, um, sorry, I, I guess I must have written phantasm and forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh. But more importantly, Sharon and Nick get a moment alone, and she does confess to Nick that there's more to the story. She believes that her meds aren't working anymore and that she's seeing Cassie everywhere. Now, at the benefit, Nick and Sharon are there, and Sharon, just as she's starting to kind of walk out the door, sees... Cassie again, and this time it's less Cassie coming to her and more Cassie running from her. So Sharon just like bolts out the door following her. I'm thinking hopefully not into oncoming traffic. I mean, she's so like blindly following this ghost that it's it's uh, probably going to, I'm afraid, going to get her into harm's way. Nick sees her runs after her, and it culminates in the park. Sharon finally tracks down Cassie, her ghost, in the park, and she begins to confront her and ask her, like, what, you know, what are you, uh, what are you doing? Why are you here? Is it because of my secret? And Cassie says back, secret? You know, almost like she doesn't know what Sharon's talking about, almost like she's not dead, almost like she is a real person. Nick catches up with her. Sharon turns around and then again and Cassie's gone and it's just Nick and her in the park together um Sharon, of course, tells Nick, you know, she's she's got to tell him something. I don't even talk about anymore all of the times Sharon tells Nick, i got to tell you something, because it never ends up panning out. The day Sharon actually tells Nick something, the big something, I'll let you know. More importantly, Victor makes a phone call saying he needs to meet someone. Next thing you know, we see him in the park flashing over and showing he's meeting with this Cassie lookalike. Oh, Lord. Mm -mm -mm. So he's obviously hired this poor girl to taunt Sharon when the whole Mason switching her meds thing didn't work out. He decided to... uh, Gosh, find a dead ringer for his dead granddaughter and use it as a way to taunt Sharon. I mean, how did that work out for you, Victor, when you brought Patty back into town to taunt Jack? I mean, it's it's reprehensible. It really is. Every time I try to have sympathy for that man, he has to go and destroy it. Okay, my podcast friends, that takes me to the end. It was a good week. It really was. And I'm looking forward to next week. It's like, isn't March sweeps? Is it March sweeps? I suppose that's it. Uh, But yeah, I'm in it. I'm in it 
for this week and for next week. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and you are too. If you want to call in and give me your opinion, I love hearing from you. My voicemail number is area code 309-588-4569. It's just a voicemail. You get like three minutes before the beep if you want to call in and leave me your comments. Or you can always go to my blog at yrchat.com. You can leave comments there and see some of the extra stuff I've got posted, some fun stuff for you to check out and do. Or you can send me an email directly to y... No, 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 no. Allie, it's A-L-I, at yrchat.com. I had gotten a new email address uh, when I got this domain, so... Uh, definitely, if you want to send me an email, be sure to send it to the right address. It's Allie, A-L-I, at yrchat.com. Or just keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> if you like, you can always go into iTunes and leave a review on the podcast. That does help other people find it, and that, that's helpful to me. So um, there's there's lots of other things you can do, or, or not at all. <laughs> I just appreciate you listening. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Bye!